Again, we're in this series called God More Than the Three-Letter Word. And, you know, it is my prayer. I'm, I'm so excited about this. I, it is my prayer that you guys are experiencing and encountering God, maybe in a way you've never experienced or encountered Him. And so um, I pray that uh, as we engage in these, this series, that you would just lean into it, that you would just um, allow God to speak to you, and that you would respond to His invitation, however He wants you to encounter and experience Him. If you're going through the, um, the Experiencing God self-study, uh, again, there's, there's a, uh, in between services here, there is a, a group that meets to discuss that, led by Pastor Keith. And so if that's something that you want to jump in, if you have not, please, that's available for you. But I pray that through this whole process, you just open your spirits and your minds and your hearts to Christ and allow Him to uh, allow you to experience Him uh, again in a way that will just make your relationship with Him uh, pop and become so vibrant and so loving and dynamic. Um, I hope it's not something that, um, and there's a balance here, but I hope it's not something that as we go through this series that we um, just cognitively gather more information. Um, I, think, I think we're good at that at times. I think as a people, uh, not just element, but just a people in general, we're good at saying, hey, I want to know God, so let's, let's let, we'll read the Word, which that's exactly what we need to do. Uh, but we'll read the Word, and, and we come to this cognitive ascent of like knowing who God is. But I hope it goes beyond that into experiencing Him. Because when we read the Word of God, what we're doing is we're reading about individuals who, who truly experience God. People who it responded to the invitation of God. They responded to this, the call upon their lives. And we read about these, these stories like Daniel and, and uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We read about stories like Joshua, Moses, and Joseph, and Deborah, and, and Gideon, and all these other individuals, the disciples, Paul, you know, all of these individuals, we, we read about them, you know, and, and when you read the word, it gets you excited because you, you read about individuals that, that trusted God and, and where God was leading them, even though they didn't have all the answers, and as they went in that direction that might have been so foreign to them, so, uh, so, um, hidden or veiled, they trusted God and God showed up in a very profound way and they experienced God. That's what this series is about. That's what the uh, self-study Experiencing God workbook is all about. It's about you putting yourself in a position where you don't just read about it, but 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 you put yourself in that place where you experience Him. And as you experience Him, your relationship with Him will become so much more alive and vibrant and dynamic. And so we read about things like that within the word, like individuals like uh, the psalmist who says this, you, O Lord, are compassionate and gracious God. You know, uh, we read that, but I wonder how many of us in here could say, you know what, I've experienced that. There's been events and and situations in my life where if God wouldn't have showed up out of his compassion and graciousness, I don't know what I would have done. And so some of you in here this morning can say, I can attest to that. I've experienced God that way, and that's how I would articulate God. That's one aspect uh, or one way that I would explain or describe the character of God. He's, ex- he's very compassionate and very gracious. Another one in Isaiah is this. Uh, the prophet Isaiah says, the Lord longs to be gracious to you. And so as we are in this series, what my, my, what I, my whole intent is, is to talk about God, to talk about his, his characteristics, his essence, his attributes. And as we understand them, 
that we just wouldn't understand them, again, cognitively, but we would understand them through experience, where we would truly encounter Him through putting ourselves in a position to experience Him. This morning, I'm going to share with you um, an attribute of God, and we're going to start off really negative and go to extremely positive. And, I, and to me, it's so exciting of how God, again, just reveals Himself, His essence, and how we can encounter Him and experience Him through this particular attribute. If you want to turn with me, I'm going to read a passage of Scripture uh, written by uh, the Apostle Paul, found in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. Uh, and as you're turning there, uh, Paul is really painting this picture of who we are as individuals, our true essence, our true nature. He's really painting the stark, he's very blunt. He's extremely blunt, and he's saying, this is who we are. This is who you were, or, this is you, or some of us might still be that, you know, that, in that position. But in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5, uh, Paul says this, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world, and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us, all of us, He says, all of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Paul says, let me give you the blunt picture. Every single one of us were enemies with God. Every single one of us was an enemy of God. Every single one of us deserved the wrath of God. Every single one of us used to follow the, 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 and gratify the cravings of our flesh where we just cater to it, where, we, where it, was just, it was about us. And so we just, we just allowed that to, you know, we just, we just followed that craving or that desire, uh, you know, and followed in thoughts like the rest of, of uh, it says like the rest, we were by nature deserving of that, of that wrath. Some of you may be singing this morning and you don't have a relationship with God and you're still in this. He's speaking very much to you. For some of us in here this morning where we used to be that and we do have a relationship with Christ, he's kind of reminding us to say, this is where you were once at. This is where you were. This is who you were at one time. Now, what's confusing to me at times, and, and especially when we start talking about grace and we start talking about uh, you know, that particular attribute of God, one of the things that, that, that can be so confusing, maybe, maybe you can relate with, with me on this one, is if we're having this conversation with a non-Christian, okay, and we're trying to, 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 to get to the point where we're sharing with them the need for Jesus Christ, okay, and, and we start talking to them about being able to love other individuals and being able to you know, value other people. When we have Christ in our lives, we can appreciate other people. We can, we can really have this Christ-like love and we won't you know, steal, and we won't cheat on our spouses and all that stuff. And then they throw out, the, they throw out something and say, well, I'm not like that. Have you had that conversation? Maybe a family member, maybe someone within your life where they say, I don't cheat on my spouse. In fact, I really value people. I really appreciate people. In fact, I can show you someone that's proclaiming to be a Christian that so-called has Jesus within their heart, and they're doing those things. And I don't know about you, but I've been in those conversations, and I'm like, Okay, let me retreat here and back up, right? Because we're, what we would say is, well, when you have Christ in your life, you can really love people and appreciate people. But the fact of the matter is, we see non-Christians sometimes doing a better job at that than Christians. 
And it's like, there's that tension. There's that, it's like, okay, where's the resolve at? Where's the resolution? And so when we look at that, we, you know, we, 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 I think of Paul's words in this and think about, okay, what is he really talking about here? Because there, you know, and, and I think it kind of speaks to, I think C.S. Lewis talked about that moral code. There seems to be like a moral code in everybody that we kind of know right and wrong. You know what I mean? And we have this sense of, of what, you know, should be and what shouldn't be. But, you know, I don't think, Paul's talking about something different. Paul's talking about, our spirit. Paul's talking about that inside of us, it's saying that without Christ, we are spiritually dead. Sure, you may be a non-Christian. You may be sitting in here this morning, you may not have a relationship with Christ, and you, you do a fantastic job at loving people. You do. And, and valuing people. In fact, there may be, again, you may be able to value and appreciate people or, or not cheat on your spouse or not lie, steal, whatever. You know, those things that we're not supposed to do. You may do a better job than that than someone that may call themselves a Christian. But what Paul's talking about here is, you're still spiritually dead. Now, I'm not validating Christians that are cheating on their wives or husbands, you know, that kind of stuff. But my point is this, we're talking about something where when we don't have that relationship with Christ, we're spiritually dead, which means we can't connect with God, which means we're not going to know God, we're not going to encounter God, we're not going to be able to experience God. And so we're spiritually dead. And that's what Paul's talking about here. He's saying, you, you know, the, these are the people that, the, the, that when it comes to God and relating to God and that part of us that God wants us to live with him for eternity, that part of us is dead, literally spiritually dead. And however you want to look at it, whether it be like using the analogy of, of, of seeing in black and white and then you accept Jesus and it seems like everything just comes to life and everything pops and we, we see everything in color or whatever, however you want to word that, Paul's saying that, that in that state, you are spiritually dead. In fact, he would say in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every single one of us have, have been there. Some of us may still be there, but every single one of us started off that way. There's, you know, in other words, we, there was this failure to hit the mark. And it can be willful and it can be not willful. The not willful part is, thanks to good old Adam back in Genesis, when, he, when the, Adam and Eve made that first sin, everybody born after that, we would say a church word for that is, we're born with this sin nature, or we're depraved. We live in a sense of depravity, which means in that state, in the natural state, when we come into this world, when we are birthed into this world, we come in and we are naturally depraved. We, our spirits are dead. That's what Paul's saying. Our spirits are spiritually dead. We're not connected with God. And so we are depraved, given the opportunity. We're going to follow our own sinful desires, our own, our own ways. That's not willful. That's just who we are. That's how we're born into it. Some of us, we don't even know. We're just kind of living in that state. We don't even really know. Then there's the willful part that says we, we kind of understand where, you know, who God is and, and, and God's re- relentlessly pursuing us in a relationship. And we just say, I don't want that. I don't want that for my life. And that's willful. Some of us are Christ followers and God's coming into our life, pursuing us in this, in this love relationship. And there's things that God wants us to do or directions God wants us to go where we say, I'm not going there. I'm not doing that. That's a willful, conscious effort to be disobedient to God. And that's sin. And what sin does, whether you're on one side or the other, what sin does, it literally separates us from God. It creates a chasm. It creates a barrier. It creates, however you want to word that, it separates us from God. But God is the only one who can give us this spiritual life. God is the only one who can breathe, uh, breathe that into us. And sin says this, you know what? I don't want that. I'm going to be dependent upon myself. 
God, I don't want that. God, I don't want that in my life. Maybe I don't even want the relationship, but maybe for some of us we have the relationship. Where, but then when God wants to take us in a direction, He wants to not just be the Savior of our life, but He wants to be the Lord of our life too, where He has full authority within our lives. Some of us may say, I don't want that. I don't want that. That's sin. And that separates our fellowship with Him. But, you know, and so sin puts this barrier between us and God. And because of that, um, you know, and if we're in that one position, without a connection with God, we don't have a spiritual life. And it's depressing. It's extremely depressing. That's why I was saying we're starting off on a very depressing note to set up something that is very exciting. But, but here's the issue. God doesn't leave us in that state. He never left us in that state. Even when we come into this world and we're born completely with this sin nature, this depraved sense that there's nothing we can do to please God. In fact, we're enemies. The Bible tells us that we're enemies with God and the wrath of God rests upon us. Even in that condition, God, out of His love and His mercy says, I still want to have a relationship with you. I want you to become spiritually alive. I, and, I don't, and not just have a relationship with us, but he's going to pursue us. Can you tell me of another person within your life that if you opposed them, if you like literally went against them, if you did things that you knew that they didn't like, or you, there's, I mean, you just ignored them, you, you, know, you had that type of relationship, could you name someone else in your life? And there may be, there may be someone, but, but I'm going to gamble and say chances are there's not. There's not a whole lot of people within our lives that would say, I'm still going to pursue you. Now, we may have that type of love from our parents, maybe, or from someone else. But for the most, most people aren't going to pursue you. You don't want to have a relationship with me? Okay. There's nothing I can really change about that. So what am I, you know, there's nothing I can do. God, however, continues to pursue and continues to pursue and continues to pursue out of nothing more than his character, his essence of who he is of love. And so in the later part of that, of verses 1 through 5 in Ephesians chapter 2, or 1, he says, um, chapter 2, I had it right. He says this, but because of his great love, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace that you have been saved. Today, I want to talk to you about grace. Because I believe that if we can taste a little snippet of the gravity of grace, our relationship with Him would become so much more dynamic. I don't know how it could not be. I, you know, grace is one of those things it is so hard for us as humans to grab, to put our hands on. Because we don't experience it typically in our other relationships around us. Grace is that thing that says, I'm not going to give you what you deserve, but I'm going to give you something that's so much greater than that. You know what I'm saying? And so, you know, when we talk about grace, I think if we could just have a snippet, a taste of that this morning, I think our relationships would would just become so much more intimate and we would experience and encounter him in a way that we may have never encountered him before in our lives. And so this morning, I want to share with you about four things, real quick, about this 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 uh, love relationship that that God pursues us, uh, you know, that pursues us out of and out of grace. I'm going to share with you four things. By the way, these are just four things that, just four things, random four things that I think illustrates it. But I would like to think, and I would like to hope, I would hope to think. Does that make sense? I would like to hope to think. Does that make sense, or am I confusing you like I'm confused? Have I lost you? Okay, we're still here. All right. Um, I would like to think that as we talk about this, 
that there's people sitting in here that says, I could add to that. Out of my love, out of my relationship with God, this, this relationship that He pursues me out of love and grace, let me share with you another thing. I would like to think that every single person sitting in here this morning that's a Christ follower could, say, could, 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 could stand and say, I've got one I can share with you. I, I experienced some events in my life. I experienced some things within my life. And I experienced God in an incredibly profound way out of His love. And, his, you know, and because of that, the relationship that I have with God has become so intimate with me. But let me just share with you a couple uh, that I have. Number one, uh, He pursues me in a loving relationship that wipes my guilt away. Now we're talking basic Christianity 101 right here. This is so basic, but it is so profound. God's saving grace removes my guilt. So, you know, here's the issue. No one's perfect. We, as Paul pointed out, absolutely no one is perfect. We all have this sense of, of, of uh, you know, we all have sinned. In fact, in Ephesians, in the Good News translation, Ephesians 1, 7 through 8, Paul says this, By the death of Christ, by the death of Christ, we are set free. That is, our sins are forgiven. How great is the grace of God which he gave, uh, gave to us in such a large measure? That's, again, one of the most basic truths about Christianity is that Jesus Christ has already paid for our sins on the cross. That, that God, out of his love, when he looked down at us and he saw enemies, when he saw people that's literally looking at him and saying, I don't care about you, I don't love you, you know, and, and I think it's hard for us to think about that, to say, well, I never really said that. In your natural state, you did. That's the gravity of this. In our natural state, of coming into this world of depravity that's we were enemies with god but yet god out of his love out of his grace said i'm not going to leave them in that state i'm going to offer them an opportunity i'm going to pursue them relentlessly to have this loving relationship with me and i'm going to set them free christ came and what did he say i didn't come to bring condemnation i came to set people there we go. Someone's, we're here, right? Whoever said that, we're here. I've come to set you free. I've come to get rid of all this guilt. I've come to get rid of this tyranny that you're living in. I've come to give you life. I have paid for your, I'm paying for your sins. And all you have to do is accept it. And notice what he says. We are free. Free from what? Free from condemnation. Free from guilt. Free from worry. Free from death. You know what? I mean, God, it, it, we don't have this reason to live in regret. There's no reason to live in guilt. That is incredible news, guys. That is incredible news. God's saving grace, this relentless pursuing relationship that he has for us. He's saying, I want to set you free. I want you to experience something you've never experienced before. Some of you have experienced this, and you know exactly what I'm talking about when we sit in here. You, you, some of you could speak to this and say, you know what? I know exactly what you mean when you talk about that freedom. There was this sense when I accepted Christ in my life, there was this sense of freedom being just, just I just overwhelming sense of freedom within my life. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 says this, for it is by God's grace that you have been given, it's by God's, for it is by God's grace that you have been given, saved through faith. It's not your own doing, that's God, it's God's gift. There is nothing to boast of since it's not the result of your own efforts. That's what grace is. And that's what's so, comp so hard to comprehend, uh, so for us to comprehend, is the point that salvation is based on God's mercy and not our performance. Can you tell me another relationship you have in your life where it's based completely upon that person's uh, mercy and not your performance? I mean, we, we, we taste it. We taste it. But for the most part, 
we don't understand that part of grace. There is nothing that we can do to earn God's grace. It's all out of God's love. Christianity, I mean, this is so simplistic, basic Christianity, but for so many of us, we don't live in this sense of freedom. We don't live in this sense of freedom and God's grace where we experience God's grace where we say, it's not based on my performance. Don't take me to the other end of that spectrum, okay? And you know what I'm talking about. What I'm simply saying is, out of God's love, and as Paul says here, for it is God's grace that you have been saved through faith, not based on your performance or your... um, It's based completely upon His promise and His his mercy. The second thing I want to share with you this morning is this. He pursues me in a relationship that reshapes my life. It helps me to become the person that I truly want to be. I was having a conversation with someone yesterday, and as we were talking, they were sharing with me. And we talked about this uh, uh, through the Me I Want to Be here, the series, the Me I Want to Be. We talked about this uh, in... uh, Uh, getting rid of the idols of our hearts, breaking the idols of our hearts. But he shared with me, he said, you know what? There was a time, and he was talking about an idol. He said, you know what? There was a time just a couple years ago where I thought I was so wrapped up in this one thing. I was so wrapped up in this one thing that it was so my identity that if I could just attain this, if I could just grab a hold of this, and people liked me because I had this. You know what I mean? It feeds the monster, doesn't it? And people liked me because I had this. And I was finding my self-worth in this. I was finding my identity. I was finding my, you know, who I was in this. And God came into my life. And he's a follower of Jesus Christ. God came in and he began to shatter that idol. He began to break it down. He began to enable me to truly see that I had an idol within my life, that this is not who I was, this is not who I wanted to be, and this is not who God created me to be. And he went on to share with me that as he, he allowed God to take that idol and literally shatter it, and now he's living in this sense of freedom that he can be the person that God has created him to be. He, God has literally reshaped his life. The author of Hebrews says this, your spiritual strength comes as a gift from God, not from ceremonial rules. Now what that means is this, or how I perceive what that means is this. When we get in this and God reshapes our lives, it's all out of God's grace. It's all out of God's love. It's a gift from God. And it's not, again, back to the performance or any ceremonial thing that I could do within my life. One of the biggest problems of Christianity is that we begin to, oftentimes we start off strong as a Christian. We have this this incredible uh, life-altering experience with Jesus. And some of you can relate with this. Some of you can recall back when you first started to, uh, um, however you want to word that, Jesus found you, you found Jesus, or whatever, you became saved. However you want to word that is, word that. But but essentially what happens is you gave your life over to Christ and you accepted that free gift of grace and salvation. And and, and there was this, uh, this sense of relief. This sense of like burden had just been lifted off your shoulders. You felt clean. And you felt so excited about sharing what Jesus has done in your life. You begin to become so excited about having that conversation with people like, I, I can't express this. I can't tell you enough what Jesus has done in my life. And so then you start, and I'm not bashing church and I'm not bashing Christians, but, but, but you start coming to church and you start getting around Christians that's been walking with, with Jesus for a long time. People that's lost their passion and they've lost their zeal. And you start thinking, well, i got to be like that to be a Christian. 
And we get wrapped up into that. And we start listening to how people talk. Even the words, and I'm not, don't hear me criticizing or judging, but it's illustration purposes only, okay? Our language changes. We start hearing the way other people pray, and instead of just praying like we're talking like right now, we start using words that we would never use in a million years. We don't even know what they mean. We start saying partake. Let's go partake. Would you like to go to lunch and partake of some food? How many say that on a regular? How many said that this past week outside of a prayer? Partake. Or, hey, let's have a conversation after the service in the vestibule. What the heck is a vestibule? What the heck is a narthex? Throw that one in there too. Or Ebenezer and some of these other things. Guys, I'm not criticizing them, okay? I'm not taking our language. If you use those words, that's fine, okay? I don't know what they mean. But sometimes when we come in the church, we speak a totally different language. Here's a good thought. Here's a thought. You don't have to. There's not some rules. There's not some rituals. There's not something that you have to become. In fact, um, Colossians 2.6 says this, Just as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, continue to live in Him. That sounds a lot easier. Just as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, continue to live in Him. Which means... There's not a bunch of rules and regulations that you've got to go by. I get that we're, again, we've got the Word of God that, that as, as, as we walk this life, God's wanting us to become holy. I understand that. I'm not saying you just live however you want to live. But I want to tell you something. If you're telling me that there's rules and regulations and things like that, I would invite you to read the prison epistles by Paul where he literally goes in and he starts attacking some of those things. He starts saying, whoa, hang, because that's what they got into. Some of those churches said, well, we need to go back and we need to observe this, 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 and this. And Paul's like saying, no, no, no. This is by the grace of God. As you received God, continue to live in Him. As Just as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, continue to live in Him. That's the way you became a Christian, and that's how you continue to be a Christian. That's the big word we call sanctification. It means becoming more like Christ. It's allowing God to come into our lives. It's allowing Jesus, as we have this intimate, dynamic relationship with Him, where we realize that He has been pursuing us our whole lives, where he has this, He's in this relentless Love relationship, this pursuit after me, the, 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 and, and we start experiencing that. It's, things just completely change. It, and as we, as we live in that, he, he, he communicates with us the things that He wants to do within our lives, the changes that He might want to make, and things like that. I had a conversation yesterday. In fact, let me paint the context. I was at a flea market, okay? And I'm talking to this young girl who's from Deerfield, by the way. And this is in Tecumseh, and we get to talk, and she says, you're a pastor? And I'm like, maybe, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Where do you pastor? You don't want to know, you know. <laughs> nah, I'm just kidding. But we start talking. And you know what we talked about? Rules and regulations. Well, I'm not in church, but I know I need to get back in church, and there was a time where I lost my brother, and I went through a really hard time. And I pulled away. And I started drinking. And I know I need to get back in church. But it's hard because when I get in church, there's times where it, it, I feel judged. And I said, you know what? That can be church at times. We get together and we struggle at times. But I want to tell you, and I told her, I said, you know what? We're, we really try hard at Element to, talk, to, to be all about, to, we're all broken. We're all broken. We don't deserve the grace of God, but man, we're on this journey and, and, and we know that God loves us and, and we're, 
that's all we're doing is try, you know, trying to live this journey out together. But, but that's, what she, that's the default of a lot of people. Why well, go to church? You know, and again, I'm not beating us up. Don't hear me beating up the church. That's not what I'm doing because I believe. But, but, but here's the concept. This is, this, is, this, is, this is the point right here. There's a lot of people out there that are hurting. They're broken. And this is what they think. I've got to clean my life up before I come to church. I don't believe that. I do not believe that. In fact, that goes against my theology. I believe that goes against the Word of God. I'm telling you guys that the only way things can, 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 can be changed within your life is only through the power of God. And then we're going to tell someone that's on the outside of the church they need to clean themselves up before they come into church? That's an oxymoron. That doesn't make sense. God pursues us and He reshapes our lives. And we're broken, but He reshapes us. And He makes sense out of our lives if we continue to live in Him. The Bible says, grow in grace. God is working in our lives. The next one I want to share with you is this. He pursues me in this loving relationship, and He removes my hurt. Some of you can really relate to this. There's been events that happen in your life. Some of you may be sitting in this morning, and you're still carrying that hurt around. You're still carrying that baggage. And God's coming into your life, and He's saying, I want to take that from you. I want that. Some of you really want to give it to God, but you don't know how. And you're still working through that. Some of you are sitting here this morning and you can say, you know what, man, I've had some real serious baggage within my life, some real serious hurt, but I want to tell you something. Jesus grabbed it and he took it and I let him have it. And right now you're sitting in here this morning and you've experienced God in an incredible intimate way because you've allowed God to remove the hurt within your life, the junk, that junk that the enemy wants us to carry around. He relieves, this grace relieves our hurt and it helps us to keep going even when sometimes we're in pain. Now, let me share something with you. There are t- I don't believe God causes pain, but I believe God at times allows pain to happen within our lives so that we can grow closer to Him. Listen to what He said to the Apostle, or listen to what He said to Paul. Uh, and, and you've read this before, I'm sure, but Paul, Paul had something, whatever you call it, thorn in the flesh, whatever you want to call it, he had something within his life that was bringing him excessive pain. Whether it be physical, there's, there's different, uh, different ideas and thoughts about what it was. Whether it be physical, spiritual, whatever. Who knows? It's not mentioned in the Bible. But the one thing is mentioned is it caused Paul a lot of grief within his life to the point where he asked Jesus three times, take this away. Take this away. This is crushing me. Take it away, God. And God comes into his life. Jesus answers him and he says this in 2 Corinthians 12, 9. He says, Paul, I'm allowing you to experience that pain within your life because through that, you are going to get a taste of my grace like you would never experience without it. Some of you have a hurt within your life that God might be communicating to you, and he's saying, look, I would like to take this away, but if it stays here, and you allow it to be here, and you trust me, you're going to experience me in a way you've never experienced me before. That's what he told Paul. And, so, and, and I know that doesn't sound like good news. I'm sure it didn't sound like good news to Paul. But here's the, here's the fact. If we can, can trust can truly trust and fall into the arms of Jesus, into this relentless pursuit of His, you're going to experience grace like you've never experienced before. 
And so, you know, there may be something like that within your life, but, but God's grace, God is saying, I will give you the grace to get through that. The last thing I want to share with you is this. God invites us in on His work. This is one, uh, like, like the rest of them, I just, it baffles me. I can't understand it. I can't understand how God can look at me in my dysfunction, even when I'm trying hard to follow Him, even when I'm trying to grow in His grace. Even, you know, and there's times where you know, everybody slips, everybody struggles at times, but yet God looks at us and He continues to pursue us. And, not, does he, and He doesn't stop there, but He says, I want to invite you in on something like you've never experienced before in your life. I want to invite you in and allow you to participate in something that's eternal. I wonder how many of us in here, and, and you know what I mean if you've been in this, but I wonder how many of us in here in the past couple of weeks or whatever has been in a conversation where we, we saw where Jesus, you know, as, as the Word tells us, that the only way someone could come to God is that God draws them. And there was someone in our life, whether it be a family member or a co-worker, whatever it is, but someone within our sphere of influence where God is putting the draw on. And they're starting to ask spiritual questions. They're starting to ask things that we wouldn't typically, typically ask. But God's starting to pull them in. And God gave, us the, God gave us the invitation to have a conversation with that person. And if you've been in one of those conversations, you know what I'm talking about. There is something that, is, that gives you such a charge about talking about something with significance. I'm not something with eternal significance. I'm not talking about, hey, let me share with you my portfolio. Let me share with you how great my New York Yankees are doing this year. Let me share with you, let me share with you my college football team or my professional football team. Let me share with you, let me blah, 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 blah about stuff that has no significance whatsoever. Or let me share with you, let me share with you a conversation about Jesus. And as we do, there is, some, there is a rush. I, I don't know how to describe that. You guys, you guys have experienced that before. There is a rush that takes over that's like, this is exciting. God's doing something in a life. God, God is doing something in a life. And I get to take part. I get to be a part of that. A couple of weeks ago, we did baptisms. And I remember uh, during that time, um, Pat and Melissa... Uh, their daughter Mira, if you remember in the video, or if you were here, she got baptized. Uh, Ten years old, wanted to be baptized. And, and as we were working up to the baptism, Pat came to me and he says, Hey, would you, um, would you have any objections if I baptize my daughter? I was like, absolutely not. You're more than welcome to be on something that is so, so eternal. Something so intimate. Something that is so overwhelming. And so I asked him, I said, hey, you're going to be in the tub anyhow. Why don't you just stay in there and, and I'll say the names and, 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 and you know, what we're doing. But you take them and you put them under the water and you bring them up. Later on, we had a conversation either that week or the next. And he came to me and he said, you know what? I have never experienced something like that before in my life. To take part in something so significant, something so eternal in someone's life. 
where you're taking someone that's saying, I'm now a follower of Jesus Christ, or I am, I am becoming obedient in this act of baptism where I want to tell the people that I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, and you get to take part of that. And some of you have been a part of that, and you know exactly what I'm talking about. God, out of His love, I don't understand it, looks down to us as broken individuals and says, I want you to help me. And let's be clear, He doesn't need us. But he's inviting us in in something that is so precious. Something that's so eternal. Something that has significance. And he says, I want you to taste this. You talk about our relationship with God becoming more intimate. When we allow him to use us, it becomes much more intimate. Guys, today, as we close, I want to say this to you. You may be sitting here this morning and you don't have a relationship with God and I'm here to share the good news with you that He's been pursuing you your whole life. And I believe, beyond the shadow of a doubt right now, that He is pursuing you right now, inviting you in to have this love relationship with Him. You may be sitting here this morning and you're not really excited as a Christ follower. I'm here to say this. God is continuing to he's continuing to pursue you as well. And essentially the message that he has for every single one of us sitting in here this morning is this. Experience me. Experience me. I've got something for you. Whether you've been following Christ for a long time or not, if you're sitting in your... None of us have arrived, guys. None of us are perfect. None of us have arrived. And God is still looking out or coming after us and pursuing us and saying this, I want to take you deeper. I want to take you deeper. I want you to experience something that you've never experienced before in your life. I want you to experience more of me. There is no way, guys, that anyone in here is going to convince me that you've experienced all of God. God's much bigger than that. And I don't think we're, I don't think any of us are going to experience the vastness of God until we stand face to face with Him and He's given us a new body. I don't think our bodies could take it. But this morning, God is saying, I want to take you deeper. Just like we talked about a couple of weeks ago, it's time to fly. It's time to get out of the nest and to allow Him to swoop under us and catch us and allow us to experience Him in a very intimate, profound way. Guys, however the Spirit is prompting you today, I pray that you would act upon that. I pray that you would just, you know, whether if you want to come forward and pray, we would love to pray with you. Whatever it is, I pray that you would just follow the promptings of the Holy Spirit. That you would just, uh, that you would encounter Him in a very deeper way. A deeper way, regardless of where you're at in your walk with Christ, a deeper way. And so I pray that you would just respond here. We're going to close out with a couple more songs. So I pray that you would just respond to Him in the way that He wants you to respond. Just allow God to have freedom within your life. Would you do that as we close with these last last couple songs? Father, we give you great thanks today. Thank you so much for inviting us into your presence to allow us to encounter and experience you. God, I pray for each person in here today. I pray that they might just walk out of here with an excited, um, just a new resurgence within their spirit, knowing uh, that you have so much grace and love that you want to uh, just give each and every one of us. Help us to live this, 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 on this journey that you've called us to. Uh, help us to encourage one another. Help us to be there uh, to just pick each other up and to pray for one another. And um, 
just become the individuals that you've called us to be and created us to be. And we ask this all in Christ's name. Amen.